Today is a Friday and it's two weeks since um, since I set off rejoining my journey. So um, I've been paddling for two weeks now from Harlosh on the Isle of Skye and I'm now paddling up the Upper Cross Peninsula coastline heading towards the entrance to Loch Torridon. So on my left I've got the inner sound and across the other side of the sound is the island of Rona and beyond Rona I can see the Trottenish Peninsula of Skye and it's quite uh, it's quite something to look back and um, think that a month or so ago I was paddling up that coastline the Sky coastline and then on all the way around the island from there having uh, reached this point I suddenly feel like I'm making headway up the west coast all of a sudden it's a really rewarding feeling I think because I was incapacitated for three weeks and uh, stuck on the Isle of Skye I think I, I felt a little bit directionless and kind of like kind of I'd lost my ground and uh, so it's it's good to it's good to have made distance again and, um, it's not uh, it's not the be-all and end-all of course but um, it does help me with my motivation to know that you know I am making forward progress when I look at it in the grand scheme of things, you know, I'm doing pretty well. I've got plenty of time to get round mainland Scotland at least and be back in Tobermory by the 28th of August. So um, I don't f feel the need to rush, cover huge distances and that would be defeating the object of the whole journey if I was to do that because I'd just be repeating what I did in two 2015 which was just to put my head down and paddle hard you know, trying to cover the ground in as short time as possible. So since leaving Sky, I've had an incredible, incredible few days, absolutely incredible. I left Sky and um, paddled into Loch Durch, which took my breath away. I was quite surprised. <laughs> I've driven along the shoreline of Loch Durch many, many, many times on my way to Sky and further up the coast and back down again. And I've always thought it was very a very beautiful area with the, the Kintail Mountains at the head of the loch. But to paddle in there, and it was such a lovely day too, it was absolutely stunning. I had the tide with me so I was pushed in, it was all very easy, very smooth. It was lovely. And a lovely campsite looking up the loch. And then the next day I paddled to the head of the loch and then out again, back down the coast with the busy road, past Eilindonan Castle, the iconic uh, castle that uh, features so much, <laughs> so often in uh, tourist literature. Yes, it was mobbed with tourists. It was quite nice actually. There was a, a lone piper and some drummers playing, entertaining the, the hordes, which was uh, actually quite nice to hear as I paddled past. And then I paddled up into Loch Long from, uh, well, past Dorney, and it's a little known loch that not very many people would go up, I would think. And again, that was just um, a wonderful surprise with uh, mountains all around me and a sense of wildness, but lone habitation, you know, small hamlet on the shore at the, at the top of the loch. And I could imagine the folks living there leading a life of solitude and silence from human-made sound, which is, which is lovely. And then Loch Alsh. And um, yeah, it was very windy that day. I paddled down to the Kyla Lockhouse, blown across, did a resupply in the co-op supermarket in Kyle, and then paddled round under the bridge and around towards Plockton. And delighting in that stretch of coastline because I've always wanted to paddle there, not paddled there before. It's just such a lovely, gentle area to explore. There's no big tides. No big seas really, but just lots of outlying skerries and islets and islands, little channels, little bays, little inlets. Just wonderful exploring. And I ambled along that coastline and got to a place called Drumbeg. And I stopped there and it was a foul day the next day, so I had a day off and met up with um, Alison French, who runs Seacart Plockton, and had a wonderful chat with her. Not met met Alison before but we've been in touch and it was lovely to find that we share 
common philosophies around sea kayaking and how to approach the pastime and yes it was just a lovely open and friendly conversation or many conversations that we enjoyed and Alison treated me to some wonderful food which was really really generous and lovely and then from there I paddled up into Loch Carron so I paddled past Plockton which is picture postcard idyllic in many respects and uh, didn't linger really and uh, paddled into Loch Carron right up to the head of the loch and camped up there near the, the town Loch Carron the village and I was interviewed for a Scottish BBC uh, news program which was great sitting in my tent and talking about my journey and what it means to me and then from Loch Carron around towards Kisorn and that day was uh, really wild. That was uh, the day before yesterday. As I left Loch Carron the wind really picked up. It wasn't forecast to blow very strongly. It was you know, forecast to blow about 3, force 3, maybe force 4. But I think it was blowing about force 6. It was really, really fierce. And uh, I was paddling along a lee shore so the sea was very rough to say the least. It was probably some of the roughest conditions. <laughs> I've encountered so far to be honest and it poured with rain as well so not only was the wind blowing hard and the sea rough but it was a torrential deluge throughout the morning so I found myself getting quite cold and chilled to the bone and I didn't really want to continue much further and luckily Alison had told me of a, a lovely campsite along that stretch of coastline if ever I needed it and I did need it <laughs> and thankfully found it and camped there, had a very early stop today before midday and then hunkered down in my tent while the storm blew through and then it cleared into a really lovely evening and the sea was very still, it was just beautiful looking across to the Apercross Mountains and then yesterday I paddled into Kishorn the uh, fabrication yard in Kishorn is back up and running now so there's um, drilling rigs, a couple of drilling rigs and, and ships and other boats being worked on which is kind of an odd sight really given the wild nature of the west coast you know you've got this wild west coast seascape and then all of a sudden you have this industrial landscape and the sound of industry echoing around the bay cars with flashing lights atop them men in hard hats walking around and uh, so yeah that was, uh, it was rather odd to be honest I'm kind of used to seeing uh, drilling rigs because when I lived in Cromarty, the Cromarty first became a parking ground for redundant drilling rigs. So I kind of, um, in terms of seeing them in the sea and the part of the seascape, yeah, it didn't really, didn't register as unusual to me. But what was unusual was seeing them on the west coast, I think. And then uh, as I left Kishon, the, the weather changed to uh, absolutely torrential rain. <laughs> and incessant, it didn't let up. There was no wind, which was lovely. It was a beautifully calm sea. So um, I was cruising really, really well, but uh, because there was no wind, the rain fell in stair-rod vertical sheets all around me, exploding into the onto the sea surface. But it was lovely actually, to be honest, even though I was getting drenched on my head and my kayaking, jacket my wet uh, dry suit rather you know was soaked on the outside I was I was feeling warm and comfortable on the inside and certainly inside my kayak and I just paddled just kept paddling and uh, ended up paddling 48 kilometers which is equivalent to 30 miles I think so it's probably one of the furthest days I've done so far on this trip and uh, it was it was a it was good to have done it paddled past Applecross uh, which will always mean a huge amount to me as a as a place because that's where I met Karen, my wife. We met in Applecross 22 years ago. I stopped at Applecross just uh, briefly considering I might camp there. Sadly, you know, I think because a lot of these picturesque places are very popular with folks who like to travel in with their motorhomes or their big car tents, the ones they <laughs> put up next to the car, there were lots of signs saying no camping and use the campsite up the hill, which is fair enough. But with all the no camping signs around, I didn't feel, you know, I didn't feel comfortable myself putting my tent up, even though I was right at the very beginning of the season, holiday season, and um, there was nobody else around and the weather was awful. awful. <laughs> I don't think anybody would have begrudged me putting up my tent in the, in the deluge that was falling from the sky. But um, now I pressed on and I paddled around to a place called Sand where I had a delightful campsite overlooking the beach. 
and looking back down towards the mountains of Skye and across to Rase and Rona. And it was just a lovely camp, although everything was drenched. There's something about um, heavy rain and putting up the tent and getting organised where I, I find, even though I work hard to get things organised very quickly, the rain will undoubtedly soak everything. So um, because my tent goes up inner first, it means that if it's pouring like it was yesterday, the, uh, the tent will be very wet. <laughs> and uh, when I eventually did get you know, into the tent and I got everything squared away, there were two pools of water down at the bottom corners because I put the tent on a slight slope. I always do that. I like to sleep with my head up the slope. Yeah, I had to, had to mop the tent out. It was so wet and of course everything was drenched in all the dry bags and my Ikea bags. The food was soaking. Because of the dry bags, all my clothes and my sleeping bag were dry. So I wasn't, um, I wasn't uncomfortable. You know, I had dry clothes to put on. But uh, yeah, it was just had a, it was one of those moments where I kind of sat in the tent and I felt the steam rising off me as I got unchanged. <laughs> and put my dry clothes on and I was thinking, why am I doing this? <laughs> and it takes a lot sometimes for me to, to organize myself. So when I'm paddling, when I'm getting close to a campsite and the weather is as wet as it was yesterday, I notice a, quite a deep reluctance to actually stop paddling and go ashore because I know that um, the moment I get out the boat and stop moving, you know, my body will begin to cool down and I'll begin to feel chilled. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a process to unpacking and putting the tent up and getting everything squared away that uh, takes about at the best half an hour but when when the conditions are like that possibly a little bit longer because um i don't know why you know it's that that sense of more haste less speed you know if i try and push myself you know i'm gonna drop things or certainly when i put the tent up not get the poles up properly yeah so i take extra care i guess it's in moments like that in the past where I've actually broken tent poles because, you know, I've been frantic to get the tent up as quickly as possible that I don't pay attention to how I'm bending the poles and to the shape of the tent. All of a sudden there's a nasty snap, which means that I then have to repair the pole in the rain before I can put the tent up. So uh, I take extra care nowadays and it does slow me down. And uh, the tide was out as well, so it was a, <laughs> it was a longer walk along from uh, where I landed up to my campsite. And uh, so that that, uh, that required a few journeys. Anyway, and I got away, got everything away, and I was in the tent and put a hot chocolate on. And that restored my spirits. Cooked a huge bowl of pasta. <laughs> I had, uh, I think, two nights worth of pasta in a bowl but I felt like I needed it after my, my exertions during the day and it was very, very welcome. And yes, and then an early night and here I am again, back on the water. Another calm day, it's lovely. There was sunshine this morning so I took time to pack up, laid things out to dry in the sunshine and the breeze, which they did. Like my sleeping mat, for example. Um, the tents dried out. So it'll be nice and dry when I put it up this evening. And I think it was worth it to delay my departure by an hour and a half just to do that, really. And it did mean an extra cup of coffee or a couple of cups of coffee, which was very welcome. Had the beach to myself. There wasn't anybody there. I camped next to the Bothy, um, which was locked. I did consider sleeping in it when, when I arrived because it was pouring with rain, but um, it was locked anyway. And I'm, I'm glad it was. I don't, you know, I don't really like to sleep in a Bothy on my own. I'm not sure why I find bothies are best for sharing with friends and companions. So yeah, so I'm heading towards Loch Torridon today and I'm not sure where I'm going to camp tonight or where I will reach. Um, I might get as far as Shield Egg. I may not even reach that far today. I'm kind of telling myself that um, once I'm in Loch Torridon, as soon as I'm in the loch, maybe to, to think about looking for a, a campsite and having a, an early stop and making the most of this lovely weather to really dry things out. Uh, use the sunshine to use my solar panel, get a few things charged up. My lights need charging up, my phone of course. Camera, my big camera needs charging up. I do have battery banks but um, I always like to use my solar panel. <laughs> Makes me feel really off-grid then you see. Yeah, and just, just to enjoy the locks, I'm really looking forward to paddling in Loch Torridon. I've not paddled there before a lock I've always wanted to kayak in. So the last thing I want to do is shoot in and shoot out and kind of regret 
not giving it more time. I'm about 10 kilometers away from it at the moment. So in a couple of hours, I'll be there at the head of the lock, at the, sorry, at the mouth of the lock, and then just work my way in along the southern shoreline. When I see a delightful campsite, I will stop. I, I promise I will stop. I'm making that promise to myself <laughs> more than anything, because I have a habit of seeing a campsite that it looks delightful, but thinking to myself, just around the next headland, just around the next headland, and then I often end up with something that is second rate. But there have been times when I found an even better campsite and I'm glad that I did press on, so it is a gamble. It's often in the inner sound here that you see dolphins and whales and things. I think I'm too early, certainly in the season for the whales. But I haven't seen any dolphins. And people often ask me if I see dolphins and porpoises. And I haven't really seen that many dolphins. I saw some when I left Mull playing in Lost Gridian. And I've seen porpoises when I was in the Firth Clyde. And I have seen porpoises elsewhere up the west coast. But I think because I'm paddling so close to the shore, you know, I'm within meters of the shore most of the time. I'm not out in the open sea, so I'm not in the deeper water where I think these creatures inhabit more readily and um, therefore I'm not seeing them. And to be honest, my eyesight isn't great, so the chances of spotting them out on the horizon or somewhere between me and the horizon are fairly, fairly minimal. It'd have to be a day like today where it's really calm and I would see them. But I'm not, um, I'm not fussed about that. You know, I, I would love to see a, a whale or two. I'd love to see a basking shark, but I don't think I'll see them. And I would certainly love to see killer whales. That would be fantastic. But uh, the creatures I'm seeing the most, of course, are seals and otters. Although I have to say there's been a dearth of otters recently over the last few days. I've seen very, very few. Kind of surprising really. I would have thought this coastline would favour the otters. Maybe I'm just not spotting them. When I was um, paddling on my day that I paddled out of Loch Long towards my campsite um, across into towards Loch Alsh, I encountered a couple of sea eagles sitting on a rock and um, the wind was behind me and so I stopped paddling. I could see them, you know, they're incredibly distinctive from a distance. I know that they're eagles just because of their size in relation to what, what's around them and the other birds. So I just drifted with the wind pushing me along towards them and I willed them to, to stay, not to fly off because of my presence. And uh, yeah, I managed to drift up to the rock and they sat there watching me with their impassive gazes. It was just absolutely amazing. And uh, one at one point looked like it was going to launch off. It opened its wings out, but it was just adjusting itself. I think absolutely incredible, a beautiful sight. This huge wingspan. Yeah, that, that was a lovely, lovely sighting. Eventually, they did fly off and um, went across the loch. Because I'm paddling close to the shore, I am going to disturb wildlife. There's uh, there's nothing I can do really. I'm. I do feel bad when I come across seals and they're basking, but the only way to avoid them would be to paddle, you know, a long way out. The seals will, even if I'm a hundred meters away, they will leave their their basking rocks. So I would have to be quite a long way out at sea for them to not be disturbed. And that presents me with, you know, with a couple of challenges really. One is the enjoyment, you know, it's just, I just want to be close to the shore so I can get that sense of exploration and you know, just enjoy looking at what I'm passing and wondering about the things that I see, being inquisitive. And also the sea is often a lot calmer close in, you know, if there's a wind blowing and uh, there's a tide flowing and there's wind against tide, for example, close into the shore, it's, you know, it's less prevalent. So it's uh, easier and sometimes safer paddling. Yeah, so unfortunately I do disturb wildlife and it's um, yeah, it's something that I, I do consider and appreciate. But I'm not disrespectful, I don't think. Where possible, if, you know, if seals 
look like they're not going to move off a rock, then I will paddle out to sea a bit. Not, I don't paddle close into the rock. Um, you know, I will paddle a good few tens of meters away. I will be silent as well. I don't uh, make any noise. I paddle quietly and paddle slowly as well. Slow movements. And I don't chase wildlife. You know, when I'm in my kayak, if I see something, I don't paddle towards it to get a better look. You know, I'd much rather the wildlife choose to come to me. And often the seals will do that. They will follow me from behind or come up towards me and look at me from the bow and then give a kind of overdramatic splash and a flounce and disappear under the water. Now see the Hebrides in the far distance, stretching away to the north. We get across to Harris and Lewis, I think. It really is lovely coastline along here. It's um, I think it's sandstone, the rock, and uh, it's different to the rock that I've been used to so far. And I noticed yesterday I was making some some dreadful errors of judgment with regard to avoiding submerged rocks. I, a couple of times I really graunched the hull of my kayak and barnacle encrusted slabs of rock just below the surface. You know, I could make them out, I think, ahead of me. You know, the, the kind of like a, a milky white shape under the water. But I didn't judge the depth very well. So, um, you know, I thought I'd paddle over them and, and be okay, but obviously not and the boat would <laughs> hit the hit the rock one of them was actually quite a nasty nasty knock and uh, for a while I paddled wondering whether I'd um, cracked the hull but when I checked it when I got ashore at the end of the day it just looked very scratched uh, the hull needs attention when I get to Ullapool I'm gonna have to do some work on it I think that's the uh, most likely place to have a chandler's of some sort where I can get some fiberglass and some gel coat and uh, just do some repairs, running repairs, touch her up. It's because I paddle solo and um, the only way I can get her up the shore when I've landed is to drag her. I can't carry her um, and then I unload her and then I carry her. Yeah, I can carry her unloaded quite easily but when she's loaded she's uh, a very very heavy weight. Difficult to even drag her up the shore. And I certainly don't like dragging her up very far when she's loaded because that just puts the hull under stress and strain, particularly of their boulders around. Unfortunately, it's a necessary evil, I guess, that I have to run her up the shore, knowing that every time I do, I'll leave a streak of gel coat on the rocks beneath. So I'm reluctant to go in very, very close along this coastline. Um, I'm avoiding going between gaps and things because I really don't want to ram any more rocks today. Not like yesterday. Luckily it's a calm sea so I'm able to see the outlying skerries, the little offshore rocks. And um, I'm getting used to the nature of the geology I suppose. Where there's a spur that comes down from the hillside and it peters out to the sea. Often there's a like a line of jagged rocks beneath the surface so I know not to paddle too close in at those points and if I do paddle very very slowly and not um, not go hell for leather like I was doing yesterday and uh, yeah when I made that nasty knock I think you know I, I was paddling around about six kilometers an hour so it felt like a real thump horrible <laughs> painful painful for the boat painful for me One of the things that's been delightful about this uh, stretch coastline as well is the waterfalls. Particularly yesterday, after all the rain, they were really in fine voice. With the geology, the kind of sheets of rock, the places where they kind of cascade down into the sea, which is lovely.
long-term forecast is looking promising in terms of the winds anyway. Not so, never really look at the weather, to be honest. You know, I don't, it doesn't bother me whether it's raining or not. There's nothing I can do about that. But the wind, I, I you know, pay a lot of attention to what the wind's doing. You know, there's light winds forecast for the next few days, which is wonderful. It means I can make good headway and work my way further up the coast without having to work too hard. <laughs> Not that I'm lazy or anything, but it's, it's just lovely paddling in conditions like they are today. You know, when there's a very, very slight swell, imperceptible even, and uh, the sea's calm. I've got the wind on my back, what breeze there is. Because I'm paddling long distances, I don't, um, I don't normally worry about the tides either. They're either with me or they're not, and uh, there's nothing I can do really. So if they're against me, it just means I'm probably a little bit slower through the water. And if they're with me, then that's great. I get all the extra assistance. And certainly along this stretch coastline at the moment, I don't think there are any tidal challenges for me to be concerned about. I think when I get to the headlands like Point Astur and certainly Cape Wrath, of course, <laughs> then uh, yeah, I'll make sure that I check out the tides and make, make certain that I'm there at the appropriate time. But it's the weather more than anything, the wind, that uh, determines whether I make progress or not. Ah, oh, it's beautiful. It's so clear as well. I think after the rain, all the air's been washed, freshly laundered. So I can see for miles and miles and miles. Absolutely gorgeous. Wonderful colours as well. The rock along this coastline has a, a browny pinkish tone to it. It's interesting. Slabs of bedrock. And then behind the rock, just a boggy, heather-clad hillside. Seemingly empty of humans, but I know that there are houses and little hamlets dotted along this coastline But uh, I can't see them behind the, the brow of the, the slope Yes Thoroughly enjoying myself. <laughs> it's just really really lovely My health is fine. There's no residual problem from uh, my uh, Bell's palsy the only thing I do notice is I tend to dribble a bit when I drink. But as my wife Karen said, maybe that's because I'm getting older, not because of my palsy. <laughs> but no, I'm okay. I am. Um, I'm feeling physically strong, and you know, I, I, I did get tired uh, the other day. I felt really, very, very, very tired when I stopped at Drumberg and had a day off because of the weather. But uh, no, I'm doing pretty well actually. I think. Which is great, <laughs> given that it could be it could have been something far more serious. Yeah, so here we are. I've just had a look at my GPS, and I can see I'm cruising at 6.1 kilometres an hour, which is which is great. And I'm not even paddling hard; it feels like I'm just ambling along. But um, I do think I've got the tide with me, which which is helpful. Certainly got the wind on my back, and that will be helping too. But my paddle strokes are strong, you see. I've got to a level of fitness and uh, ability now where every stroke I make is considerably more powerful than it was when I set out in August last year. And I can sustain it for much longer as well, you know, that, uh, that tempo. So it is satisfying to cover the ground much more efficiently than I used, used to or did before. The weather to my left is crystal clear and sunny and then when I look right there's a big bank of grey black cloud looming where the breeze is blowing ashore and the clouds are forming and the rain is building. It is forecast to rain a bit today so uh, I'm pretty certain it will start raining later on which is why I was glad I dried everything up this morning. Anyway I've just arrived at a nice small bay just checking it out. <laughs> I find myself seeing these bays and clocking them as potential remote wild campsites and this is one such bay looks like some perfect spots behind the behind the beach just past one small bay which is a bit rocky and then i'm coming up to another one which has got more sand a lovely place to camp which means i'll have to come back <laughs> and try it out some lovely short cropped 
sheep shorn grass idyllic. I'm just looking to see if there's a wee stream. I'm sure there must be water nearby. Yes, I will come back here, that's for certain. <laughs> it's lovely. What a beautiful spot. Looks like it's been used in the past as a ring of stones which denotes somebody lit a fire, which is a great pity. I hate it when I see that on a beach or on the, on the shoreline. It's near a settlement called Kueg. I'll remember that. So my guess is it's uh, folks from Kueg who wander down and have a fire on the beach. The next uh, Around the little headland is the next bay is called Ob Craig. Right, onwards. Just about to arrive at the uh, entranceway to Loch Torridon, which is rather exciting. <laughs> uh, I've been anticipating this moment for quite a while. Really looking forward to it. And um, across the other side, I can see the the pinkish, reddish dunes, the sand dunes of uh, Red Point. Be another day before I get there, or a couple of days at least. So to my left. I'm just uh, passing um, the lighthouse at the northern end of Rona and then beyond it is the northwestern tip of the Isle of Skye. And in 2015 I paddled from Staffan Bay on Skye all the way from there to Rona to the lighthouse and then across to Red Point then all the way up to um, a settlement called Melveig that um, involved a couple of open crossings from Skye to Rona and then Rona to the mainland and looking at it now you know, it looks quite a distance. <laughs> I remember at the time not thinking very much about it in terms of uh, being daunted at all. I have to say looking at it now it doesn't hold a huge amount of appeal for me. I think the idea of doing a, a big day like that with big open crossings cutting across the mouth of Loch Torridon and then Loch Gerloch yeah it just doesn't seem very attractive. I think because I'm enjoying this ambling, this exploring so much that the idea of doing anything that involves just paddling hard across an open sea uh, just doesn't uh, hold hold that appeal. I mean, I'm thinking about the, f the future <laughs> before I finish my trip. So the weeks and the months ahead and what I want to do and you know what would I like to do and what would I like to achieve and where would I like to see I think I mentioned in my previous episodes that I'd like to go out to Feral I've always wanted to paddle Feral but that would involve a substantial crossing from Orkney to Feral about 30 miles which should be about 10, mar 10 hours of paddling I guess and although I really would love to paddle around Fair Isle and explore the coastline. The thought of that crossing doesn't make it seem that appealing. Not enough for me to, to seriously consider it at this moment. I don't really have to make, make my mind up until I actually get to the north coast, in which case then I think about making the crossing of the Pentland Firth to the Orkney Islands. And then once I'm in Orkney, Deciding whether just to explore the Orkney Islands or make a beeline for Fair Isle. These are the thoughts that occupy my mind as I paddle. Some of them anyway. In the here and now, at this very moment, I don't need to be concerning myself about what lies ahead. Because I'm just about to enter Loch Torridon, which I've wanted to do for ages. and. It's good to savour the moment. Mm -hmm. 
very tempting gaps ahead of me, inviting me alluringly to paddle through them, but um, I've got my cautious head on today and I'm not going to accept the invitation. I'm just going <laughs> to make sure I just stay clear of the rocks. I think those uh, horrendous crunching sounds that I had yesterday have put me off. Having said that though, I'm just about to paddle through a wee gap. But uh, there's no breaking surf, there's no indications of submerged rocks, so I'm confident that I'm not going to hit anything. Nonetheless, I've slowed down. And at this very moment, I begin to turn in to Loch Tarlin. How fantastic. See the Tarlin Mountains are showing themselves. The snow on them, very distinctive shapes, standing proud from boggy land around them. How wonderful this is, it's absolutely amazing. <laughs> oh, I love it. Not quite there yet, another kilometre I think, before I'm in the lock properly. There's a noticeable swell now that I'm exposed to the, the minch. Not uh, big by any standards, but uh, the pleasing roll beneath the kayak. Yeah, I have a fantastic view of the mountains now swathed in ominous dark grey cloud still looking incredibly wintry I would think that uh, if I can see the the snow line from here then probably a substantial amount of snow on the tops still full winter conditions halfway through April I mean it is quite chilly today it's not it's not warm even though there's sunshine Absolutely amazing. It's on a small scary feeding and it's just slipped back into the water. And it's dived under. <laughs> oh wonderful. I'm just gonna sit here for a bit and see if you watch it reappear. Such wonderful creatures. There it is. And they surface, they're like uh, corks popping to the surface. So I'm just drifting, I'm not paddling. There's only one otter I can see, there's not any others around. And there it is. So it's swimming away from me, foraging underwater. I'll let it be. Normally I like to take a photo, but I don't think I'm going to get close enough and I don't, know, I don't want to disturb it. And there I was thinking I haven't seen many otters and here we are. Lovely view of one. And seals in the bay on the rocks so I'll not go too far in. About 100 meters away and already they're sliding into the water. I wish they wouldn't. <laughs> I don't mean them any harm. Incredibly stark landscape, this Torridonian landscape, I think, personally. It's beautiful, you know, it's uh, stunning 
I wouldn't say it's bleak. I just think it's stark, which means it's eye-catching. So I think I'm going to have the wind against me as I paddle into Loch Torridon. It's a very light wind at the moment. Nothing to concern me in terms of the effort required to paddle into it. And sometimes I find it's nice to have a wind to paddle into. It just helps me keep a straight course. <laughs> when I have a wind behind me, I'm forever adjusting my track. Uh, wonderful. You can see a wee waterfall falling into the sea, <laughs> running over bedrock. It's kind of like a, a garden water feature, except it's wild. It's funny when I see things like that. I find myself paddling harder and faster just to get there. I've got to get there, I've got to get there quickly because I've seen it. It might go away, but of course it's not going to. But I just noticed my paddling tempo increases and... <laughs> so I'm just mindfully slowing myself down, being patient. See cars on the road up on the hillside. If it wasn't for the cars, you wouldn't be able to see the road. So, to all intents and purposes, it's empty of humans, this landscape. Might be a nice place to have a cup of tea. It's about that time. Let's check how far I've paddled. 16 kilometers, so that's, yep, that's my cup of tea point. It's an unwritten rule that I have, another one. I don't drink my tea until I've paddled 16 kilometers, which is essentially 10 miles. It's a low waterfall, it's not very high, but after the rain yesterday it's running quite strongly. I love how it's cascading over a, a flat rock and then dropping, free-falling about a foot into the sea, churning up the sea and then there's rafts of bubbles drifting away like uh, one would imagine icebergs drifting away from when they've been carved at the foot of a glacier and of course the swell sweeps in and the height of the fall diminishes and then increases when the swell drops away again lovely for me there's, uh, there's something liminal about where the fresh water meets the salt water. It's a very special moment. It's a very, very special place. Wherever I see it occurring, whether it's a stream just running in over a beach into the sea, or in the case of this little waterfall here, dropping down over the rocks and then falling into the sea. If I look closely at the sea, you can see where the fresh water is mixing with the salt. There's a layer of Difficult to describe really, but I would say it's squiggly type water <laughs> on the surface where the fresh water is, uh, is mixing. I find it a playful place as well. So I'm paddling forward now as close as I can get. I've got a rock on my right which I need to be careful of. And of course the swell's wanting to drop me in. I'm going to poke the bow of my kayak into this, into the waterfall. Oh yeah, there we are. I can't go very far, there's a rock right behind. Lovely. <laughs> I'm not a cold water swimmer, but I would think it'd be quite fun to swim here. Right, well, I think around the next headland and uh, I'll be entering Loch Torridon.
That's a lovely interlude. climbing a mountain before you reach the summit you get all those false summits you think you're about to top out when you get to the point that you think's the top you can see there's high ground ahead and it's the same with the headland every time I think I'm gonna reach the headland that allows me to gaze in to the open waters of Loch Torridon I see another headland ahead of me and the view is still denied kind of ups the ante, the anticipation it's a keen breeze from the east it's quite cold just swapped my uh, baseball cap for my warm hat keep my ears warm I have a, a large deck bag on the deck of my kayak just in front of the cockpit here secured with a, a flap and velcro underneath the, the bungees the, the elastic cord that's an expedition deck bag so it's sizable and um, in it I've got my big camera in its waterproof case my large flask with ginger tea in it and then my smaller flask with green tea in it Got my lunch bars. I've got a dry bag with my action cameras inside and spare batteries for them. And then another dry bag with my recording equipment. And I also keep a spare hat in there as well. Then on either side of the deck bag is secured by straps. On the left hand side I've got a, a pump, a hand pump. And on the right hand side I've got a paddle float and um, those are for use in an emergency so the paddle float I put on the blade of my one of the blades of my paddle and inflate it so it's like a, a children's armband and that will help me when I re-enter the boat if should I capsize and uh, provide stability like an outrigger a floating outrigger at the end of my paddle and the pump obviously is to empty the kayak cockpit of water should I I need to do that and uh, I've only had to use it once so far on this trip when I launched through a sizable surf I had to do that before I could put my spray deck on otherwise I would have been smashed on the rocks you know if I'd faffed around putting my spray deck on so I just paddled through the surf knowing I would take on water but then once I was beyond the surf line I could uh, empty the boat out or the cockpit out with uh, my pump and then use I've got a sponge as well and that just sort of gets up the last dregs and then on top of my deck bag I have a, a silver SILVA a silver compass uh, which is secured with bungee cord uh, some sea kayakers like to have their compass at the bow of their kayak there's a recess that's designed in most kayaks to take a special design specially designed compass but it's just too far away for my eyesight to read accurately so um, I have this one here on my deck bag and it's easier for me to see right well I think this is the moment <laughs> not get carried away with the moment just still look out for rocks but talking about the compass it's shifted around to the northeast means I'm paddling into Loch Torridon gosh there is a, a lot of snow in the mountains that's incredible and it shows up starkly in the in the sunlight the dark foreboding clouds behind I can't see the tops of the mountains because of the cloud but the upper flanks are definitely showing and that is a considerable snowfield Just enough of a ripple on the surface ahead of me to tell me there was a rock there. I just had to edge away. And here I am. Oh, look at that. 
That is amazing. <laughs> Looking right up the lock now. You can see the hamlet of uh, Diabeg, Lower Diabeg ahead of me. Ah, oh, fantastic. So, I'm in Loch Torridon now. I've got a couple of days, or as long as I want really, to explore it. The number of times I've visited Loch Torridon on foot and by car, and I've always thought I must come here and kayak, and here I am right now. Ah, oh, a moment to savour. Absolutely wonderful. Very, very special. Well, folks, I think that's a good point to end this episode, bring it to a close. Thank you very much for listening, and um, I hope you enjoyed my ramblings. And uh, please feel free to leave a comment if you want. Uh, score it out of whatever. It always helps with the, the algorithm. If you give me some feedback, that's great. And uh, if you haven't subscribed, maybe consider subscribing and keeping up to date as I make my way around Scotland's coastline. So thank you very much and uh, my very best wishes to you. Bye-bye. <laughs>